0: Welcome to another episode of Daily Feasting on the Words of Christ, helping disciples of Jesus Christ to engage with the Book of Mormon on a more deeper and personal level. So today we're covering pages 139 to 144, and we're going to go through the Book of Jerem, Omni, and Words of Mormon. Now, in the past, these have been books that I have had a hard time gleaning some inspiration from especially the book of Omni because a lot of the verses are like and this is my name and I saw my father or my brother write this and these words are true and I'm done writing and then do that for a while Um, but this time I have a few more insights that I haven't noticed before Especially with this idea of like looking at the promises the Lord gives to the house of Israel, and also a few other ideas, some lines and verses that kind of felt like hidden gems among these scriptures. Um, the first one that really caught my eye was in the book of Jerem verse four, where it says, "And there are many among us who have many revelations, for they are not all stiff-necked." And as many as are not stiff-necked and have faith, have communion with the Holy Spirit, which maketh manifest unto the children of men according to their faith. This one stuck out to me because um, our prophet, President Nelson, has been emphasizing personal revelation a lot. And so anytime, whatever I'm studying, for whatever reason, anytime I see anything that talks about revelation, it just kind of sticks out to my mind. And it says, as many as are not stiff-necked and have faith, have communion with the Holy Spirit. Mm. And you know, what's interesting about this, let's see, do I want to go here? You know what? I have more thoughts on this about personal revelation that we're going to talk about later in the episode. So remember this verse for later. The next thing that I wanted to talk about is about the covenants the Lord makes with the house of Israel. It's one that we've heard before. In verse nine of the book of Jerem, where it says, "Inasmuch as ye will keep my commandments, ye shall prosper in the land." Now, before this verse, uh, Jerem had been talking about how they had been working in metal and things and learning how to make weapons of war, and how they prepared themselves to meet the Lamanites. So, here's the situation when Nephi and his family got to the land of promise, they were doing okay for a while. And then it got to the point where Nephi and those who believed in God had to leave and flee into the wilderness. Well, I don't know that they fled far enough because what it sounds like is that there were constant wars between the Lamanites and the Nephites. And they were as constant as the Lamanites were warring against the nephites the nephites were trying to teach the Lamanites about the gospel um they don't talk about it a whole lot you kind of just hear about it here and there because nephi and um, and a lot of the writers up until this point only focused on their preachings of christ and not the history of the people and so you kind of just have to read take note of those little one-liners that are mentioned so rarely and kind of imagine that there was constant wars all the time. It was like the Lamanites never stopped attacking. And yet, they were able to defend themselves. They were prepared to meet them every time as long as they kept the commandments. right? And Jerem is... Um, giving credit for the victory against the Lamanites due to the fact that they kept the commandments and so God prospered them. And in our day, you know, we are also in a war, but it's a spiritual war and not a physical war. Satan and his followers are always constantly attacking us, always trying to get us to stray from off the path. And we need to be prepared to meet them. And we do that by keeping commandments and keeping covenants and having faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we build our weapons of war. And as long as we keep the commandments, then God will help us to prosper against Satan and his followers and his evil deeds. Well, what happens if you don't keep the commandments? Well, let's go to Omni, verse 6. Inasmuch as you will not keep my commandments, you shall not prosper in the land. Now, this was during a time in which a lot of the wicked part of the Nephites were being destroyed. So more wars are going on. Those who are righteous are being spared. Those who are wicked are being destroyed. The Lamanites, since it's also are also losing people, so their wickedness, they're being destroyed, and when you continue reading, you hear about the people of Zarahemla, and how they had lots of wars and serious contentions, and so a lot of them got destroyed, and then you hear about this guy, Coriantumr, and how his people got destroyed. All these people got destroyed. And why? Because they did not keep the commandments. And so they did not prosper in the land. Within these two books, we see what happens when we keep the commandments and when we don't. For in our spiritual warfare, if we keep the commandments, we'll prosper against Satan and his army. We're going to probably get some cuts. Maybe some serious wounds like this. And I'm talking spiritual, but this is a war. You're not going to get out unscathed unless you're one of the stripling warriors. Then you're awesome. But otherwise, you're not going to come out of this unscathed. There's going to be some wounds and there's going to be some really hard times. But if you keep the commandments through those really hard times, then you will prosper. You will win the war against Satan, no matter how many times he tries to beat you down. If you don't keep the commandments, if you don't strive to improve and repent every single day, because repentance is plan A, and if you don't do that every single day, then you will not prosper. Repentance ...is a commandment. God has commanded that we repent and repent daily. That we use Christ's atonement daily. And that's how we'll prosper. We access Christ's atonement and his power... ...when we keep our covenants and keep our commandments. And when we access Christ's power... ...then no power of hell, no devil... ...no matter how many demons there are trying to dissuade us from the covenant path will succeed in their attempts. Because God is more powerful than them all. When we keep the commandments, we have that kind of power on our side. We won't be swept down like the Lamanites and the Nephites and the Zarahemlites, Zarahemlaites and Jaredites, we will survive, we will thrive, we will succeed, we will prosper, because God is just that powerful, he can do all things, nothing is impossible with God, absolutely nothing. And now, to get back to the other verse that I mentioned before, I want to connect it with a verse in Words of Mormon, verse 7. And I do this for a wise purpose, and thus it whispereth me according to the workings of the Spirit of the Lord which is in me. And now I do not know all things, but the Lord knoweth all things which are to come. Wherefore, he worketh in me to do according to his will. Okay, so some background. He's talking about how he found these plates of Nephi, which we've read up to this point. Everything before the words of Mormon is the plates of Nephi that Mormon is talking about. So he's talking about these plates of Nephi, how he found them. And he had already written an abridgment of this history during that time period before he found these plates. However, the Spirit told him, stick these plates in anyway. Even though you've already covered this time period, stick them in anyway. And Mormon's like, I don't know why I need to do it, but there's a lot of good stuff in here, so why not? And he sticks it in. Well, as we've learned in Come Follow Me a couple weeks ago, y'all are pretty familiar with the story. Joseph Smith lost the 116 pages. That was the abridgment that Mormon made from Lehi down to King Benjamin. That's what he lost. But because Mormon stuck in Nephi's plates, we still have that timeline. We still have those prophecies and those revelations of Christ because Mormon did that. Now, Mormon could have been like, nah, I've already written this. It's really hard to engrave on these plates. Like, these aren't easy to work with. I'm not going to bother. He could have totally done that. But the reason why he does it is because the Lord knoweth all things which are to come, wherefore he worketh in me to doing according to his will. God knows all things. And some of the things that he asks us to do may be a little weird or not make sense or seem unconsequential or not important. I have a really good friend. In fact, it's James Applegate, who has been a guest on this podcast before. We, we are co-workers for this elderly lady. We do yard work for her. We weed and we plant flowers and we rake leaves, like whatever she needs done around the yard. That's what we do. And so every Saturday when we can, and it's not like raining super hard because Oregon can be pretty rainy, we go over and we do yard work and we talk the entire time and we have great conversations all over the board. Well, there was this one day he made a comment. I don't know his side of the story. Maybe it popped into his head to share this and he was like, I don't know why I want feel like I need to share this or anything, or maybe it was just an offhand comment, just starting a conversation. Like, I really don't know. I don't know his side of the story, but he made the comment, you know, it's really cool when like you literally put the Lord first in the morning. Like, you know, when you are saying your prayers and as soon as you end it, your alarm in the morning goes off. Like, that's just awesome. I didn't know what to say to that. I'm like, yeah, that, that is cool. I think that's pretty much all I said. Like I didn't make much comment or like it didn't continue into a conversation. You know, I just kind of brushed it off. It's like, oh yeah, that's cool. However, over the next few days, And I don't know for how long. I want to say about a week or two or so. Like, it was a while. It felt like a while. I could be wrong. But it felt like a while. It would... That comment got stuck in my head. I couldn't get it out. I was constantly thinking about it. How cool... I was constantly thinking how cool it would be to put the Lord first. Like, that's... I don't know. It just kept repeating in my head. Until one morning, I woke up and I realized... What I did every single morning when I woke up after my alarm went off. I'd look at Facebook. I'd look at Pinterest. I'd look at my emails. Any notifications, that would happen first. And I thought, am I really putting the Lord first in my life? And I had to be honest with myself and say, no. I was not putting him first in my life. And so I decided that every time I turned off the alarm, I would start by saying my prayers and then reading the Book of Mormon. I am so grateful that I started that because, you know, a few weeks later, I started this podcast (laughs) and I think that being able to put the Lord first every single morning has been really important. If I didn't do that, because what usually happened is I'd waste a lot of time on Facebook and stuff. If I didn't stop that and start putting the Lord first, I wouldn't have enough time in my day to be able to devote to this podcast and to make these episodes and to study the Book of Mormon the way that I want to in order to give y'all a podcast episode that you can glean something from. Right? Like, God maybe prompted James Applegate in a way to say those things so that that phrase would get stuck in my head and so that I could make changes that would improve my life and bring me closer to the Savior and prepare me for the next step. You know, and where... And what would have happened if he... I hadn't received that prompting of, say this, and then he didn't act on it because he thought it was silly. Then I wouldn't have had that experience. Now, would I have eventually changed? I don't know. But to have that kind of experience is really cool. And I'm so glad that James didn't just brush it off. as like, oh, that's silly. I don't, I don't need to say that. I'm glad he spoke up. And for whatever reason, he felt like he needed to share that, whether it's just starting a conversation or he really, truly felt like that was something he needed to say. I don't know, but I'm really glad he, he said it. You know, and it can be really easy to doubt the promptings you receive from the Lord. It can be really easy to just brush them off. Let me give you another example. Yesterday, I woke up and the weather report said it was going to snow. i had been saying it was going to snow for quite some time now, but today was the day it was going to snow. I looked outside. It was clear. I mean, there were clouds, but like nothing. However, I remember getting a distinct feeling that it was going to snow and it was going to be a good snow today. And I remember brushing it off. Now this is not like a prompting that was going to change anybody's life. You know, it's not like, oh, say this, like, and it's going to change... Like, you know, it seems inconsequential, right? The pro- Like, why would God let me know that it was going to snow? Even though it looked like it wasn't going to. It just, it just seemed kind of odd. At first. And, you know, and even though the weather report and God both told me that it was going to snow that day, I doubted I brushed it off. And I look back and I'm and I see that is like how prideful that was. For me to be like, I just to, to look at the weather report and be like, nah, I know better than meteorologists who've gone to school for this stuff. Like, it's not gonna snow. Or God who knows everything to be like, eh, I don't know that I believe that. I mean, how prideful is that for me who knows absolutely nothing To doubt a prompting from God. To not trust that he knows what he's saying. So prideful. And guess what happened? It snowed. And it was a good snow. We got several inches. And in that moment, the Lord taught me. He taught me to no longer doubt. Right? It says in the Doctrine and Covenants look unto me in every thought doubt not fear not to doubt means to not trust when God gave me the prompting that it was going to snow I did not trust him and maybe the reason why he told me that is so that I would have this experience to recognize that I was doubting him to recognize that I was being prideful So that I can change and be better. So that when I get a prompting that does involve other people. I'm prompting that, like, I don't know. All promptings are important. But so that the next time God speaks to me, I remember not to doubt. That I remember that God knows everything. And then I can trust him in everything even the weather even when it looks like whatever he told you was going to happen is not going to happen when all the odds are stacked against you but God told you that some that you're going to make it, you better believe you're going to make it. God says you're going to make it, you're going to make it. No matter how small the prompting, every prompting from God is important and needs to be treated as such. It's not to be brushed off or ignored, but to be followed through and to be believed. Another thing I want to share with y'all is, in the words of Mormon, he talks about, read about King Benjamin and how there's more wars and how there's lots of crimes, like there's lots of false Christs and false prophets, false preachers and false teachers, and they're all teaching false doctrine and there's just a lot of lying going around a lot of false things being preached and a lot of war. And King Benjamin, he punishes all the false Christs, prophets, preachers and teachers and he fights in the war to help the Nephites prosper and succeed and after a while, after some hard work and determination, he is able to establish peace in the land. Now, the reason why this stuck out to me, I've read it several times before, but in thinking about it a little bit deep, deeper, I look at it and I'm like, dang, that took a lot of work to establish peace. You know, he had to punish a lot of people. There was a lot of fighting, a lot of things that happened that didn't seem very peaceful. He had to set up some boundaries, establish consequences for actions, and he had to stay firm to them and follow through. Generally, when people try to strive for peace, what the easiest way to do it is to basically ignore what the trouble is, you know, just kind of slide it under the rug. If we just don't pay attention to it, it will go away. But what happens is that actually festers and boils over and makes things worse. King Benjamin shows that it takes work to establish peace. And where does peace come from? It comes from God. And maybe that's why God said, love me with all your heart, mind, and strength is because it takes our whole selves. It takes hard work and determination to establish peace in our lives and the lives and the lives of people around us. Peace is not something you can just idly wait for and expect it to happen on its own. It's something you have to strive for, make choices for. Peace is not easy to come by. you got to fight for it. you got to live every single day in a way that invites it. You know, it, it takes work not to doubt and not to fear when God gives you a prompting. Because Satan wants you to doubt. Satan wants you to fear. When we get a prompting from God, Satan is right there. And to give a counterattack that will cause you to doubt and to fear and steal your peace. It's going to take work to get rid of those thoughts, set up boundaries and be like, no, I want peace. I'm going to follow the promptings of God because he knows what he's doing. I'm going to keep the commandments and that's how I'm going to prosper. This all takes hard work. It takes our whole selves. There's nothing half-hearted about gospel living. In fact, if you are half-heartedly living the gospel, you are not living the gospel. You either are or you're not. There's only two sides to this story. You're either striving to be the best you can be every single day, even if it's little baby steps, or you're not. Either you're fighting against Satan and following God, or you're not. And it's up to you to decide what you will do. And it's a choice that we make every single day and every single moment. Because God doesn't give up and neither will Satan. So you've got to make the choice who you're going to listen to, who you're going to follow. So make the choice today. God loves you. And he's doing everything in his power to help you everything he is out there looking out for you and out there fighting your battles as long as you keep the commandments you'll prosper you'll win don't doubt it don't fear it god is on your side and you will feel peace and you will prosper as you do what's right Hope, I hope you don't doubt that either. Please, if you've received any promptings from this episode or from your personal readings in the Book of Mormon, record them in whatever way works best for you. Treasure them. Don't doubt them. Don't fear the impressions you've received. If it's an action item, go and do it as soon as possible. Go do it right now. You know, share this podcast episode with anyone and everyone you believe would benefit from it and if you've got any insights you received, please go to the facebook Facebook page and share them with me. I'd love to hear the things you're learning and I would love for us to strengthen in each other in understanding more about the Book of Mormon and helping each other to understand it and to apply it and to just build this community where we can come together and Share our lights with each other. I hope that today is a good day. In fact, I know that today will be a good day. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. Joy has nothing to do with the circumstance of our lives. And it's everything to do with the focus of our lives. If we focus on Jesus Christ, we'll have a good day. It may be hard. It may be a hard day. But it'll be a good day. and I hope you have one of those. And I'll talk to you later. Stay awesome.